All right, let's welcome everybody out today to a brand new episode of I Am Salt Lake Podcast, episode 548. 548, huh? <laughs> <laughs> let's introduce ourselves, though, the hosts of the show. My name is Chris Hollifield. I'm TJ Heidenreich. How you doing, TJ? Doing well, man. Doing yeah. well. It's, it's good, to, good the, to be back here for another week. The weather is heating up. I don't know if I'm ready for summer quite yet, though. I know, for sure. We go directly from snowing into uh, the heat. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I, th- I think my favorite part of, about this time of year, though, is like festivals start happening. Yep. People are going outside. Mm-hmm. There's events going barbecues, on. Barbecues. Just... Barbecues. Things are going on in uh, the community. Yeah, And definitely. so it's fun to get out and about and uh, just just get some sunshine. But uh, really quick, if you want to get in touch with me, you can send me an email or shoot me a text message. Uh, shoot me a text message, I think, is probably the easiest way to reach out to yeah. me. Uh, my phone number is 801-244-2908. Shoot me a text. Give me a call. Let me know what you think of the podcast. For sure. Or if you just want to say hello. But what's the best way people Yeah, you guys can honestly call or text me at 801-694-1733 or give me a follow on Instagram at TJ Mortgage. Awesome, awesome. Today on the show, though, we got a fun one. Uh, SJ Childs, yeah, or uh, Sarah Bradford is her real name, but her pen name is SJ Childs. We kind of talk about her books that she's written, her podcast she does, and her communities that she's created uh, helping the, the autistic community. Yeah, this one was super fun. It's super informative. I learned a lot. Yeah, so uh, Sarah Bradford, uh, she's an author, a podcaster. Really cool to get to know her. She's on today's uh, podcast episode, so let's jump into that. But head on over to our website if you want to dig through some of the back episodes. IamSaltLake.com is the website for the podcast where you can go listen to all the episodes. So, Perfect. Let's do it. Anyways, let's get into that episode with Sarah Bradford. Here we go. If it's okay with you, we'll get chatting here, Sarah, and uh, start kind of finding out your story and and, uh, spotlight you to our listeners. But what brings you joy? What what do you like to do outside of everything that we're going to talk about? And I know, you know, we haven't even talked about anything (laughs) yet, but what really brings you joy right now in life? Um, I guess being able to help other people through my learned experiences over the last, you know, decade, at least for my message that I'm platforming on now. (laughs) Awesome. Which, which I want to get into here. Um, we're we're actually looking, you brought some books with you, which I want to get into, but I want to start with you. Like where, what came first with your projects? Where should we start your podcast, the books, the YouTube channel, where should we start with you with with well, with this whole project that you have going on? I'd say the books started first. Um, I wrote the books about eight years ago, and it was a project to help my daughter cope with being different. We have a physical difference called outer ear microtia. And you can see I have these like little teeny mm. tiny ears. Okay. And so does my daughter and my son. And so... Uh, my son has autism and his relationships, he's less social, but my daughter is much more social. And so those kinds of um, social, you know, groups and peer relationships, when I was a kid, it was hard getting bullied for being different or, you know, teased or whatever you'd like to call it. Um, but I wanted to try to provide her a tool okay. to understand that her differences were just like everyone else. So, you know, every there. And so for that one, it is written about a family of cats that 
because it's so easy to think that all cats are different. For, for which was... Yeah, Anna yeah. the Kitten, a book about physical differences. TJ's holding it. Anna the Kitten. And it really helped her to relate to her friends and say, you know, yeah, I have these little ears, but I run the same. I play the same. You know, I can hear the same as sure. you, probably mm. a little better. <laughs> but, um, you know, otherwise, she's just she's a very um, confident child. And so we got really lucky that we've been able to establish and build up this empowerment and confidence within her um, to go through the world with differences uh-huh. and be able to be proud of them and accepting of yourself. So this is the first book you wrote. Did yeah. you have any like writing experience beforehand? Did you write as a kid? Like, yeah, I mean, I've been writing my entire life. I, uh-huh. I just love poetry, as you can yeah. see. They're oh, all so cool. um, written in poetry form, which for children is so important to start to recognize the patterns of words. The rhyming is simple, mm-hmm. and it makes it fun for kids to read and to want to be engaged in the books. Mm-hmm. So I, I and I just love it and. I sit down to write a book and it probably takes me less than an hour. And of course it takes, you know, five months to illustrate and, right, <laughs> and right. all of the other work, but it so, just comes So who, who illustrates you? So the, the, we had a graphic designer do the illustrations that we just hired from Fiverr. Um, and so we basically just paid for the illustrations okay. and, and I put them together myself. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's very like homemade project, if you will, um, which is why they are self-published on Amazon. Um, so, so where yeah. where where did you get them published at then? Just no. Amazon. I literally reached out to like a hundred publishers over across the nation, and at the time, nobody was interested in uh, special needs education for children. Which is <laughs> crazy if you think know, about it, because you would think that if anything, they would want to have more education available. Yeah. Because I'm sure there's a lot of people that are in similar situations as you are that exactly. don't have places to go. Yeah. And areas I, to turn to. That was my hope. Yeah. And so then, you know, as far as I said, well, I'm still doing this. These are still important. I'm still getting these books out. So, mm-hmm. and I did. Yeah. So you say self-published on Amazon. I guess I'm not familiar with that. So, so how does that work? You- there is a program through Amazon called Kindle. Hopefully I can say all this right. But um, Kindle Direct Publishing, uh, where you can publish your book through them. But it is um, not a monetary route to go, but it was at least made it them public for people to buy. And uh, I did have them on my website for a couple of years, but maybe I just don't know how to market or something. I mean, and, and I, what happened was the books turned into me being guests on podcasts, which then turned into my own podcast. So my focus changed off sure. too. So. so what was your focus when you started this? And maybe you said that yeah, already, um, what was? Ed- children, educating children about my children. Yeah. Um, because uh, my, at the time I knew that my son had autism sure. and I knew that that looked very different in the world than the other peers that were in our neighborhood. So that was, um, kind of one that was so personal to me that I was almost like afraid to share the story. <laughs> uh, but then finally, you know, when I got it out there, I realized this is so important. It's so important to, let children and these teachers have an idea of the different parts. And this is very 
one-sided because it is about my child. Um, and it, autism does look different across the whole spectrum uh, of, you know, abilities. And so it, it's just kind of a, a unique perspective into our life, into the struggles and strengths that our children have um, and bring to the world. So, and it's also their story that yeah. they get to, you know, have forever uh, out in the world somewhere, which I think is pretty powerful and I feel really proud of. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and then, uh, so you decided to eventually do a podcast. Yeah. So I was going on to podcast as a guest to yeah. promote the books. And through that, it was so much fun. And obviously, the hosts that I had podcasted with were encouraging me, like, you're good at this. You should do this on your own. Start your own podcast. Mm -hmm. So um, I took the leap of faith, right? It, it's a little bit of a fear factor when you're, like you said, getting in front of your own camera and learning how to get comfortable with your voice and re-listening to it when you're editing and all of the things. But, um, you know, you're like, that's how I sound. That's the sound of my voice. <laughs> yeah. You can't take that back. Yeah. yeah. No, it, you know, I, I learned to start to appreciate the value that I was bringing and not critique myself on, you know, human critiquing things, mm. right? <laughs> as we do as humans, but really started to hear and get feedback from my community and my friends and other parents and saying, this is really helping us. This is so much value. And for me, I was, that was just the why, right? That was the answer and the the thing that was helping the, the joy really and was seeing that it was making a difference for people. And for the schools that it was, I, I donated some books to some classrooms of my own children's schools and the teachers were so happy with them. One teacher said, oh, the kids just fight over them during like reading time. They all want to read those books. Yeah. Um, and I think that they can just find a lot of uh, value to be supportive peers, be better, you know, educated children, because that's what we really need to better our, our generations for time to come. So have you found with the podcast, has it helped you market your books then? Um, I don't think I've, once I kind of realized what the, you know, monetization was like on Amazon, I stopped putting a lot of stock into that because they're getting paid and I'm, I've already done the work. So I, mm -hmm. I don't have to do anything, but I'm also not getting anything in return hardly. So I, and I think maybe it's because it's a children's book niche. I mean, if it's, I see adult books that you know, do amazing and fantastic. But yeah, it's probably has to do with the level of um, uh, intentions that I've been putting into different projects across the board. And I think that when I started the podcast, I wanted to talk about autism and about mental health and a lot of other things. But I also wanted to not only talk about those things, I wanted to leave it open for entrepreneurs and interesting businesses that I found mm. that I liked to share with families that I thought were important, financial services, things like that. Um, and so I, I don't, it doesn't have an actual, the SJ child show very, you know, <laughs> you don't have like a feeling of what that is really, but it is because the brand I had already built with the books and I have a great Facebook page following. And so I thought, okay, I'm just going to build on this rather than start a start whole nother something. Writing. 
Um, and it's and it's been really positive. I've I've had uh, not as you know great as you is like in your five hundreds. I think I'm a hundred and twenty five. Well, that's just because I keep putting out episodes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm gonna keep doing it. Right? I'll be there someday. More than I'm just crazy <laughs> enough to keep showing up. I've been doing it for a lot longer too. Yeah. I mean, I kind of stepped into it and then was like. Why have I not been doing this? This is amazing. Sure. I uh, I've been able to connect with people all over the world and build these like real connections with people. It's crazy it what is. a podcast will do. And you it's said you, you primarily do yours over Zoom or yeah. oh cool. I do all mine over Zoom and this is the first in person that I've done. I'm I'm so honored to do and be pleased to be here. So it's well, exciting. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so what, so what kind of like people are you talking to on your podcast in? I would say parents, um, maybe individuals that are neurodiverse or um, grandparents. I think it's probably a little bit older generations, uh, maybe younger parents if they find it, you know, and I, I do. I'm just trying to be better on TikTok and all of the things where the younger <laughs> folks are playing. But it's... Um, it's great to just know that if even if I help one family, which I know I already have, then that's so important to me and because I'm not looking for anything out of it. I'm just looking to do it because I've had so much success in my own little family on my own little island of Bradford's um, that we I think it's so important to share the things that I've learned as a parent, um, I've already raised a 22 year old and I have a 10 and a 12 year old and I'm doing things differently. I'm doing things differently a decade later than I did before. And I'm learning so much more about why I should be. <laughs> and I think that's important to share, especially with new parents that take all of their parenting from their own parents and bring it with them and then just say, this is what you get because this is what I had, like deal with it. But that's just shouldn't be the case. And we I think that there's a possibility of what I like to call mindful parenting, um, where you really consider your child to be just a human relationship that you're building and you give them space and respect and um, kind of let them learn how to connect on their level rather than forcing them to connect on your level. Yeah. Which I think in, in older generations, that was, you know, eat your dinner, clean your plate, don't talk when I'm talking, you know, all of these things that really just kind of beat a person down rather than build them up to be an individual with empowerment and with self, um, self-confidence. And, and I think it's really important that we see them for individuals and humans rather than like, I brought this kid into the world. I'm going to control what they do. I'm going to do this. And they're my like puppet mm-hmm. to do with. And I just don't agree with that because I did that yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because I learned my lessons from parenting from a space that I was parented from rather than finding what might be best with my own intentions behind my own heart. And then it's easier. And then now I've built these relationships with these other two younger children that I could have never imagined that are just very compassionate and honest. And I think that's all that you can really ask for as a parent is to have like an honest relationship with your child so that you can help them through cool. anything. 
So why a pen name? Why did you go, <laughs> go with S.J. Child instead um, of just your your real name? Yeah, uh, I guess because, you know, authorism, I don't know. I, I just was trying to be like, <laughs> yeah, cool. So doing something different and just, uh, I don't know. That's a good question. S.J. stands for Sarah Jean. Okay. Um, which is my name. And Childs was chosen, I thought, because, you know, when people are like searching children's books, then it'll be an mm -hmm. automatic like in the search oh, I engine. Like that, yeah. So I was trying to be clever that way and do SG Childs. And I thought it just had a great ring to it. Sure. And so it, it stuck. And now, yeah, it is kind of funny though. People are like, so is your maiden name Childs? I'm like, no, <laughs> <laughs> it's completely fictitious except for the Sarah Jean. Um, but it's, it's now interesting. Like you said, like, well, what do I call you? Sarah Bradford or SG Childs? And um, I mean, I guess right now I'm really trying to build my reputation on both. You know, I, yeah. I Sarah Bradford, I am in the community and we'll talk about some community projects that I have going on in a second and other, you know, the books and the podcast where I'm SJ Childs and can be more of like the people that come to for the parenting advice and the, you know, the other things. And then I, you know, on my other end, I do a lot of like community outreach and a lot of parents um, reach out to me and I create um, a lot of programs for families, for companies, just as much as I can to help educate um, on neurodivergent topics. Well, let's talk about some of these community projects yeah, that you do since you brought them up. I mean, yes, since this is absolutely. a locally based okay, podcast, like where do I start? I mean, <laughs> yeah. is it, it's and that's the best thing. Yeah, stuff you're doing here in the community yes. for, for autism or for what is yes. it for? So, the one of the biggest projects that is kind of the most time time not time consuming, but it's going to take the most time is I am partnering up with um, a lady named Natalie Castro, and she is an autism real estate sensory room designer. And her and I met on social media, just supporting, she has a sister with autism. Mm -hmm. And so we met just in the autism community. And I saw how much outreach she was trying to do as just a new Utah she had just moved to Utah. And so she was just trying to make connections and sure. I love to make connections. And mm -hmm. so I was like, here, jump on my train and we'll go everywhere together and we'll make all the connections. And so we reached out, well, I reached out to, um, primary children's hospital and got a hold of them and asked if they would be willing or, you know, to have more training for autism and also to redesign one of their emergency rooms for a special needs for in a sensory design. And they said, we'd love to, please let's do this. So we've had about probably four or five meetings now, and we're working on the design and the needs of the, the children and the needs of the staff. So, so explain this a little bit more. So just cause I, I mean, this is all new to me, right? Like I don't, I don't deal with this on a yeah. daily basis. Like <laughs> you do. So it's a special room yeah. for, for autistic kids. Yeah. To, to do what? Anymore? So basically with autism, you'll find that um, it is a different way of thinking. Sure. Um, and with that comes with different senses working differently than neurotypical brains that would work, you know, neurotypically. And so the senses can be very overwhelming for children with autism. Sight, um, the sounds, the uh, movement and 
especially in a time of chaos where they're already feeling out of control in an emergency type situation, we were hoping to bring some type of calmness and a space where there's dim lighting or LEDs that they can control. Because when you give a child, especially a child with autism, their own control over something, it helps take away that feeling of out of control of I've just, there's nothing that I can even hold on to or cling on to here at this moment. Mm. And that really causes anxiety. It you know, creates uh, aggressive behaviors. It can create a lot of uh, social and behavioral problems. And so creating a space that's very calm or with soft music, you know, just something that they can kind of have control in, it helps to bring that calmness level down. And that could work for any child, of course, but especially for kids with oversensory um probably nervous systems and and things like that, that, you know, even smells can be overwhelming. And so the hospital's wonderful. They already have great things in place for for families. And you can get like noise-canceling headphones or weighted blankets, which help put pressure on the body to help make them feel calm and kind of like like being held, basically. Um, And so it's been really fascinating to just kind of learn what they need and what they have and add to whatever we can, you know, and um, create this special room for them. That's so awesome. I'm excited about it. On your, on your biography, it mentions the Autism Council of Utah. Mm -hmm. Talk about this, especially since this is a a locally based show. Some people either a might be moving here, they might already live here, and they might not even be aware of this. Yeah, I mean, what is the autism? You know, Council and I'm a volunteer uh, member, and so I haven't done as many you know, of the um, projects and things. Unfortunately, I haven't known about them, okay. <laughs> and so I okay. haven't been able to to be a part of them. Okay. But um, they really, what I see from sure. from what I'm seeing is they really are putting a lot of outreach into um, giving grants to community centers mm. or um, helping fund projects, you know, for for people or community centers. Uh, the Autism Clinic of Utah, which I think I hopefully said that right, but it is in Murray. And they just opened up what's called the sports court. And mm. it's like a little backyard, you know, um, asphalt with all these games and things. And I did go to the grand opening of that and brought my children and they had the best time. Uh, yeah. he, My son will just keeps talking about it over and over <laughs> how much fun he had there. Um, because those are experiences he doesn't have often enough. So, and you know, as I can definitely tell you our personal stories of, you know, autism, things like that. And, but being able to educate the community and know that, you know, I'm helping them for when my kids turn into adults and are out there with them. Um, so it's important for sure. them to, and, and the numbers of autism are increasing like 170% per year uh, since the 1970s. They've, yeah, it's like, it used to be like one in, you know, 100,000 or something. And it was like 1950s to 1970s. And now it's one in 44. Wow. One in 44. And that's going to keep going. <laughs> it's going to keep going up because there's, it's, you know, I, I really think that, because of the inability to 
that they have at this point to see what female is presented like in females. I think that they're missing a whole box, you know, of people like, so the numbers are probably much higher than that, but yeah. Are there some communities that are better for like autistic people or autistic children? Like is, is Salt Lake city, I, you know, I don't, maybe this is a poor choice of words, but friendly, autistic (laughs) friendly. I mean, Um, is it, or That's things so we could hard do. to say only because I've never lived anywhere else. So sure. I don't want to give like credit where it's not or is yeah. due anywhere. Or is there things that but, we could do as a community yeah. to be more autistic? Yeah. It, yeah, I think so. I think that we can all just realize that even for those people who are like, I don't know anyone with autism. Autism isn't important for me to learn about. That's fine. Um you don't have to, but in case you do have children, grandchildren, believe that they will come in contact with someone with autism. Mm-hmm. And what a better way to have a discussion with your child or grandchild or, you know, niece or nephew, whatever, to, to help them become a better advocate for the community for being good peers to people. Um, we want to build these kids up with as much knowledge that, as we can. And, you know, the adults, it's a little bit harder. It's a little bit harder to kind of force the ideas into the adults, especially the adults in the older generations that have already had this idea of what autism looks like. Uh, just recently, I was tested myself mm. and I had a brain scan done and got had a neuro assessment and it came back that I am also on the spectrum and I haven't shared that. So here we are sharing it publicly now. You're at first on the <laughs> ILS. Right? Well, what news. a better place to say so because now I'm not only, um, and I, you know, we haven't brought this up yet, but not only have I been advocating for autism for a decade for my son who was diagnosed at 16 months old a decade ago, Mm -hmm. but my husband who was diagnosed six years ago, a daughter who was diagnosed maybe four months ago and now myself. And we know our oldest is, we know for sure, but (laughs) she hasn't taken those steps yet. She's doing her own thing. She's 22, you know, can't expect much for they do their own thing. Sure. <laughs> That's what you can expect. So yeah, and it's but it's really fascinating. And now I can kind of um, have this whole new perspective. You know, I've I've had this perspective of being a mom, and then when I found out as a wife, I was like, whoa. I give this man that I love so many accommodations, so many like food accommodations, sleeping accommodations. You know, all these things, like. My kids can have those same accommodations met for them. They don't need to eat dinner at the table at 6 p.m. every single night. Like I can be flexible and kind of watch them and see what their needs are Mm -hmm. and meet their needs where they are at. Sleeping, (laughs) people think this is crazy and that's okay because everything in our life is like backwards and crazy. We basically bio sleep. Everybody sleeps on their own schedule. One child, and the reason we did this is because 
year after year after year, it was canceling therapy sessions, canceling school, canceling this and that. Because one, my son would sleep on these crazy schedules, not an amount of melatonin or sleep medications or yoga or breathing techniques, <laughs> nothing worked, yeah. you know? And finally, when I let go of trying to control everything biological, and I recognized, wait a second, this is just like his dad. <laughs> this is mm. just like his dad's crazy sleep patterns that I've kind of thought was maybe just narcolepsy for his whole life. But now I realize that that's just their, the way their brains, my brain, the way the brains are working in these patterns, they stay the same constantly. And and so I call my son's schedule the moon schedule. He's so like what's his schedule? Like two now? weeks on, two weeks off, two weeks in the day, two weeks in the night. So he'll sleep like all day and then be up all night. Yes. Wow. And he's 12. So he, it's not like I need to get up and help him go to the bathroom or he's very self-sufficient and he has, he, he has a very limited self diet that, he, you know, he just won't try new things, unfortunately, because I think, I think most 12 year olds are that way. <laughs> he has anyway, a lot of food right? aversions, but he doesn't need help opening chips anymore. He doesn't need help getting his own water and he only drinks water. We get it from the Water Wellness Center, which is a fantastic place. Um, and so he's constantly just like doing his own thing, which is fantastic. We're not forcing like sleep times and eating times, but we do so much family time, so much together all the time. My husband is self-employed, so he's able to take time when he wants to, when we need to, if we, I'm doing online school at home right now. So it's through a school system, but it's, you know, at home. So it's mm -hmm. very flexible with timing. Plus our kids have different needs in schools. The dyslexia book came about because my daughter and husband have dyslexia. Um, and so it's been a whole new ball game, learning how to teach somebody with dyslexia. Like that's been new for me. It's been challenging. It's been learning how to adapt her strengths to help teach, which is tricky because you have these ideas of, okay, well, here's the book. Here's the, the numbers. Here's the letters. Look at them, memorize them, practice. You're done. She sees it. It's in, you know, inverted or whatever, it, that doesn't help to keep looking at it backwards and everything. And so I've tried to adapt and foster some strategies like Minecraft. What kid doesn't like Minecraft at 9, 10, 11, you know? So she loves to build. And so I thought, okay, what if we build multiplication tables in Minecraft? Then she's doing her own work but she's having fun doing what she loves and then it sticks because it's something she's interested in. It's not something she's fighting to try to look at the numbers correctly, to try to write the numbers down correctly. So and I think a lot of parents and people can learn a lot from that, what you just said, to find what you're good at and run with it. I think so often, including I remember my own childhood where it was like, so often it's, it's, you do what your parents want you to do right? and what they think you need to do yeah. instead of, well, does he really want to do this? You know, or is he, does he show, I don't know. I think of all the music lessons <laughs> I had to take as a kid. Right? <laughs> oh man. 
No, I mean, yeah. that's cool. I mean, it shows like you just back to your roots of giving them the control. They feel like they have the control of yeah. Minecraft and it's what they like to do. Exactly. Yeah, that's really cool. And, you know, with our son, um, I'll go back a little bit because when he was diagnosed, it was in 2011, 2010, I think about 2010. And so there weren't a lot of resources. Mm. And and I mean, there's way more now than there weren't like in the 90s, obviously. Mm -hmm. But 2010, it was like on the cusp, basically. So Mm -hmm. there were a few schools in Salt Lake, a few programs, early intervention, which we totally took advantage of, which was the kind of the very key that needed to be opened up to Mm -hmm. start learning about everything. Um, And then there was the diet changes and things (laughs) that we went through. But um, Dichie was reading at one years old. Hmm. He was writing at two. Wow. And when he was three is when I recognized he had a photographic memory. We would come home from anywhere and he would have written down on the walls he wrote on the walls everywhere like oh thank heaven 7-eleven or ross dress for less or somebody's license plate number or street names and i just was like wow this kid is just recording everything and taking it home and and putting everything down so he's a bit of a genius he is he is um he is a twice exceptional is what they call an autistic genius if you will um and he's not what's considered a savant only because a savant is basically skilled in one area and then you know have trouble or challenges in other areas Mm -hmm. but he is multi-skilled so that's where the twice exceptional comes in So he is, um, by the age of five, he was doing algebra, speaking about five languages and had done geography past what you guys could ever imagine. At the age of five? Yes. He was drawing maps of the United States. And then at one point he was kept drawing these maps over and over again. And they just looked like fairy tale lands. Like I couldn't figure out it was Russia. He was mapping out Russia rivers and little i don't know what their states are called or anything you know i'm not i'm not the genius but um (laughs) yeah it so the life with him has been so what were you thinking of all of this when you when you you saw him doing all of this at five years old yeah oh well at three when i realized i was i first of all i was a little bit of an older mom i was 33 when i had him and so well it's i wasn't in my 20 i got through my 20s right and so i I was thinking a little bit more like, how can I educate this child in the most, be- the best way possible? Sure. And so I did the Your Baby Could Read program when, I don't know if you remember commercials, which don't exist anymore <laughs> um, for that, but it was these programs that had DVDs and flashcards that you could show your baby. And I literally put him in front of the these things at one month old not knowing he had autism or anything and um, just thought, okay, I'm going to just teach him how to read right now because I watched and it looked so exciting and I was just passionate about early childhood education. Um, And so sure enough, here he was one year old and not speaking, but like raise your hand, you'd raise his hand, clap your hands, he'd clap his hands. You know, every time it would say something, he would do the action. So we knew he was reading. And then his eyes would trace the words, of course, we could see that. And then when the writing started, it was purple turtle were his first words written. So it wasn't like ABCs or anything. It was like six letter words. Yeah. (laughs) And it was really, I mean, I was really excited about it. And I, there was no, like, 
I don't know, fear, I guess, of what I was going to do. It was like, okay, let's find all of the cool education we can. So I found these really great DVDs called Rock and Learn videos. And they have learning paired with music. With For him, was like the absolute key of learning. Like once the they started, he would sing the songs. And by the end of it, he knew, you know, third grade math. By the end of it, he knew seventh grade science, you know. <laughs> it was just these incredible uh, learning tools that I found. I would, I would get him maps of, you know, places or they had these like flexible writing maps maps and things you could buy and I would get him cursive and other things to practice and do all of these things time and space (laughs) all of the things right I can't even cover it all is that common with autism like the the multiple like uh like the music like the multiple sensory is that is that common so I think that the right answer for that being you know as sensitive as I can be for Mm -hmm. to everyone is that it's more it's not, it's not what autism looks like, Mm -hmm. but there might be more of those individuals Mm. on the autism spectrum. Yeah. Right. Does that make sense? For sure. So that doesn't, that's not what autism looks like. Like Mm -hmm. if you looked at my family, you could see a son that's a genius that, you know, literally works. He'll like yell at you in math. Um, then we have a daughter that is super, um, emotionally intelligent yeah very very emotionally intelligent like 10 going on 45 or something <laughs> you know, she's she was sewing at five she was like creating and designing things really really early she talked really really early not like her brother who was nonverbal until he was four and writing back and forth she was already talking before he was talking so it was, it was like this very hard sometimes not to hear his voice, not to know what it, what he could say or what it would sound like and to hear hers and, you know, wish that either would be talking or not talking maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was this interesting balance of, of just letting, seeing them as individuals again and trying to kind of create the best relationship between the two of them. And now like that she's been diagnosed, I have this, you know, Another perspective where I can look back and say, oh, my gosh, this is a little girl who collected shoes, collected dolls, collected blankets, collected all of the things that would be considered maybe obsessive collecting interests. But they're girls, right? She's a girl. Who cares about shoes? Nobody's thinking about that. Who cares about baby dolls? Nobody's thinking about that. They weren't at the store every time she had to buy a baby doll every time we were at the store. (laughs) And, you know, 25 baby dolls later. But it's so interesting now to say, okay, well, maybe these are the things that they can start to look at to help recognize um, what autism looks like earlier in females. So, yeah, that was... (laughs) Yeah, no, you're good. You're good. It's pretty fascinating. So, yeah. No, that is, it's interesting Mm -hmm. to learn about all of of that, uh, you know, stuff. Uh, I mean, I've met, you know, so many different people through the years with Asperger's and autism and, uh, you know, everybody's so different. Yeah. Exactly. And Asperger's was removed from the actual diagnostic, which Mm. I think is disservicing only because I would be considered 
Asperger's, my husband would be considered Asperger's, both of our daughters would be considered, DJ would be considered level two autism. He needs more support. He is 12 and speaking 109 languages and just put his shoes on for the first time this year. (laughs) Right? He can talk to you in Japanese, but he has a hard time with his shoes. Are are you (laughs) uh, literally 109 or is it? 109. Or or you just threw a number out? No, No, that is the exact number he'll tell you. And I'm over here lucky enough to know a few words in Spanish, (laughs) right? I'm still trying to figure out English. That's a funny thing too, is that so is he. Like communication for him is hard. And so he can't sit and have a conversation like right. you and I. But he could, if you ask him, like, how many languages do you know? He can say, I'm proficient in 109 languages, which to him means he wow. can he can verbally hear or auditorily hear and know what the language is. If he sees the text, he knows what the language is. Mm-hmm. Now, he may not be able to sit and have right. a conversation and speak it clearly, but I think recognizing that. Many sure. Lines, oh, yeah. It's, he yeah. can break it down to yeah. the verbs of each language it, in the. Yeah, it's, it's insane. I mean, there was a time where he want he was into semaphore. Do you guys know what that no, is? No, no. Flags. Okay. Oh. Communicating by flags. Really? Like they did in the Navy or probably yeah. maybe still do. So I'm sure he loved like the Olympics and stuff like that. It's so funny. And he loves flags, geography. He just loves all things education. Wow. And so, you know, we just have found this real beauty in kind of exploring our children's strengths and running with them, like just running with them. <laughs> so so cool. we have some uh, some Salt Lake City questions yes. that we ask everybody that comes through here, Sarah. So of course we have to ask you. We have family and friends that visit us, right? They come into town, they're coming from out of state, they're coming from, you know, down south, wherever, and they're like, give us the the Salt Lake City, the Salt Lake Valley tour. I mean, there's got to be one or two. <laughs> One or two places that you like to take people, whether that's downtown oh, or the Great Salt Lake, downtown, the Temple. Yeah, I don't know, right? There's, there's got to be one, at least one place. I would you like say to take our kids to. are the only people that want to take, want us to take them anywhere. So I would have <laughs> yeah. to say downtown is our favorite spot to yeah. go. Um, up at the Capitol is really fun, yeah. and you can walk down into. Um, I don't think, I don't know if that's Memory Grove right there. Yeah, I, yeah, the Memory Grove. Is that is what it is? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a beautiful place to see. Any of the canyons yeah. are amazing. Um, I mean, I like the West Desert. That's, you know, some people like it. Some people don't. I really like wildlife and birds. So you can go out there and find a lot of those out there. And there's some great, like, bird refugee places, yeah. too. Do you go down? Do you ever been to uh, Tracy Avery? Aviary? Yeah, no, yeah a couple of times. <laughs> I really, there's yeah. actually one out by Willard Bay. Is there? That is, like, a huge, res, like, a reserve. Uh-huh. And you can go out, and they have, like, big... Um, crane posts and they have cranes that build these huge nests on them and then they're flying in and out and they're so like Hmm. huge and graceful and yeah i think they're they're an auspicious bird (laughs) right (laughs) what about any uh favorite local eating spots do you have like one or two favorites or just one or two places you Um, like to go to I know, you know I what? Put you on it's the spot here, it, yeah. and well, it's so hard with COVID too because I mean we literally stopped eating everywhere. Yeah. Um. And so our I just make food at home. Yeah. No, that's fair. <laughs> We're the that's Bradford fair. Casa, right? No. Yeah. I think that. There's really, we're or is not, there a place we don't like, like fast food, okay, no, so that's good. we're completely like health. I don't want to say yeah. we're healthy eaters, but we, <laughs> we're not like into eating processed yeah. food. Right. Sure. 
So, and I'm sure yeah. that that's even important uh, when mm-hmm. you know with, with autism. Cause, yes, because the thing is, a lot of people don't realize. Uh, you know, a lot of these chemicals in food mm. can affect our moods, so the way we, you know, just live our lives. Yeah. And I'm sure people uh, with, with autism might be a little more chemically sensitive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what about, what would you change about the area or the valley or Salt Lake City in general? Is there anything you don't like? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I know that's um, a big question. Yeah, right. Um, I would say access to nature. I think it's very, like, it's very limited. And when it is, it's so controlled. I'm from the Nevada, California border. Mm. And for me, I could walk into any forest at any given moment and any off of any highway and find a place to camp. And that was it. it it's not like so restricted. <laughs> so right. for when I, and I mean, I've been here for 20 years, but when I moved here, I was just like, You've got to be kidding me. You can only <laughs> camp in these spots and things. And I know there are some places, you know, you can go in the Uintas and, and stuff. But I would say that would be my uh, – and I don't know what that looks like for care and, no. and things like that. But that's, that's you know, It's a big question. This is what I tell people. I say, hey, you know what? It's however you want to interpret it, yeah. whether it's something that's impossible completely or, or 100% yeah. possible. Right. <laughs> but, uh, now, how can listeners connect with you or sure. how can they find about your books, your podcast? I mean, your yeah. website, your social media. Let's run down how people can connect. Absolutely. You know, the easiest way is to Google SJ Childs. There you go. Cool. Simple as that. So I'm Googleable. Uh-huh. <laughs> you can find a few pages about me on Google, um, me on other podcasts or my podcast, my website, the Amazon link. <laughs> and, your, and your podcast is just SJ Child. The SJ Child Show. Show people yeah. however you're listening to this, you're going to be able to find that. Yeah. Um, and, and go go listen to yeah. it and reach out to, to Sarah and say, hey, I heard you on I Am Salt Lake. I, 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 you know, I want to check out your books. Or or maybe you have an autistic child and you want to connect. Absolutely. Because uh, I'm sure it gets lonely to not be connected with other yeah. people that are are in the same situations. Well, and I've created a group on Facebook for anyone that is interested in having more resources called Autism Advocates Support Group. Uh, And it was intentionally just going to be for like our neighborhood and our community. And now it's over 900 members all around the country. And it's more than I could have ever imagined creating this beautiful space for these families. And it has tons of um, professionals and a lot of autism advocates that are really well known Mm. that will come and give people advice and give parents advice. And I think advice from somebody who has lived experience is so much better. And and I don't know, I can, shouldn't say better, but it, it has so much value to it than, oh, I read this out of this book or I, you know, something like that. So and not that the books aren't very important. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm so glad that, that we, you. you know, were able to sit down with you, yeah. that we were able to bring you on the podcast. I mean, is there any like final words or anything that you want to talk about oh, before gosh. why it's still recording? I mean, we, I know yeah. we skim the surface with things. But, <laughs> I know. Isn't that hard? But, I'd say one other exciting community thing I have going on is I'm um, with the same n- lady, Natalie. Um, uh-huh. We're training police departments. And I just met with West Valley City Police Department last week. Okay. And we have this amazing plan to train a lot of officers, all of West Valley and Taylorsville. Not to mention Natalie's already done a lot of other 
cities. Mm -hmm. Um, So Salt Lake, we'd love to train you if there are any officers listening because we haven't been able to get you on the schedule yet. So very important. That's very important for us. And we just offer a uh, you know, a better, more in-depth level of training. It is voluntary. So we're coming and volunteering our time and and our experiences. Not to mention, we want to have meet and greets with families so that they can really interact one-on-one and get a, a real experience rather than a slideshow. You yeah, know? that's so, awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. And if people, again, people can reach out to you if they want to get involved, Absolutely. if they want to help out. At any level, so <laughs> very cool. Anything else you want to ask her, TJ? Before no. we, uh, oh, yeah, thank you let for coming go. on. I thank appreciate you. It. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me today. Absolutely, thank you so much. All right, many thanks again to Sarah Bradford for joining us on this episode of the podcast. Seriously, reach out to her. Let her know you heard her on I Am Salt Lake podcast. Support her. Buy some of her books. Listen to her podcast. We'll put all the links at IamSaltLake.com slash five forty eight for episode five hundred forty eight. Did you enjoy the conversation yeah, though, TJ? Yeah, I learned a ton. I mean, honestly, I, I can't believe how naive I was to a lot of the subjects, but that was that was awesome. And then and then finding out about our kids, like kind of the genius level right. and, and all the languages. Would you say something like 109 languages? Yeah, her, her son speaks. <laughs> yeah. like, I, like you said, I have a hard enough time just speaking English. Right, right? definitely. But, uh, the, the website for the podcast is IamSaltLake.com. You can go there and uh, listen to all the episodes. Uh, we're also on Facebook, the I Am Salt Lake community, which join that and uh, get involved. Um, but where can people reach you, TJ, if if uh, people are interested in maybe refinancing their home yeah. or purchasing a new home? Where would they go for yeah, that? Yeah, for and, sure. And, and reach yeah, no, out to if, you. If you guys honestly have any questions real estate related or finance related, reach out to me, uh, 801-694-1733 or follow me on uh, on Instagram at TJ Mortgage. And also reach out to Chris uh, for real, any real estate needs as well. Yeah, my number is just 801-244-2908. Let's chat because there are options out there mm-hmm. and there are places out there. I know a lot of people think, oh, you know, I'm priced out or there's nothing available. Yeah. There is a lot more inventory on the market these days. Definitely. And there's a lot of, I mean, I, I saw a condo, I mean, well, we don't need to get into prices on here, but I was like, man, that's a, that's a really good, good price. Affordability. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So, I mean, there's stuff out there, you yeah. know, just, just reach out to TJ or myself and we'd love to help you out or at least get you in a position where you can be ready in six months or eight months or even a year right. down the road seriously, um, to at least uh, figure out what's going on. But uh, that's going to do it for this episode. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're, uh, you know, you leave us an iTunes review. Uh, make sure to get involved. Make sure to reach out to, uh, to any of us. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. We'll, we'll uh, see you next week. I'll see you next week, TJ.